0: welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. Uh, I'm Stephen Hedges and we have one of the other uh, podcast uh, volunteers with us uh, tonight, Jan Gray. Hi, Jan. Hi, stay How are you? I'm okay, thanks. How are you doing?
1: Great. Looking Good. forward to the end of 2020.
0: Yes, yes, I think we all are. <laughs> unfortunately, Alan Reese Chillers, who's one of the other major contributors on the podcast, can't be with us tonight. Uh, Alan has sent his apologies. And one thing that we'll unfortunately miss with him not being here is listening to some of the Welsh language interviews that he did as part of of the the podcasts, um, which is a shame, but no doubt Alan will be bringing some more of those uh, to us in the new year. So we look forward to those. Okay. Jan should we just dive in and and kind of listen to some of the clips that we've got. Okay. The the first two um, are ones that I think you, you did both of these interviews. And although we've, we've talked about perhaps the club game being the most important thing for us as a museum, Um, Certainly the first-class game comes into any analysis of the past uh, uh, when you look at at cricket in a particular country. And we were very lucky enough to have uh, Prem Sisodia, who um, uh, is a player with Glamorgan, and also Zach Crawley of Kent and England, who came on and and, uh, talked to us. So let's have a listen to them talking about, I think, how difficult it is to to, uh, make your way as a first-class cricketer. It's obviously a massive commitment.
2: Like, I was speaking to my parents about it when I first signed and stuff, even before I'd played. And it's like that day when you sign your first professional contract. It's like, I come from a working class family. Like, the amount of commitment my parents had to put in and stuff. Like, I think when I went to the World Cup in January of 2018, my parents came out to New Zealand with me and my little sister. And that was the first... Time they've been away like as a family holiday since I don't know we went to India when I was like 11 so that's eight years after is the first time we've got a proper family holiday so it's just like that commitment from the family and stuff like it's obviously a time-consuming game isn't it like and it's also an expensive game as well like the kit doesn't come cheap and going around on tours with like Wales age groups and stuff. You just have to pay for the hotels and all that. Like, it's just a massive, massive commitment. And I think, luckily, I've just had the opportunities to keep going with it. And luckily, my family and my coaches and stuff have all been really supportive of me.
3: You know, cricket's hard. Cricket's tough. It's like any other job. If it, you know, if it's not going well, it's a really tough game. And you know, it's not something I, I would recommend, you know, hanging around in. It's not, but I think, you know, just set yourself a target and, um, and work hard until that target of, of an age limit when you're, when, you, you know, when you're going to call time on it. But make sure you don't have
1: any regrets about not working hard enough. Do you believe that even if you don't become a professional cricketer, the experience of working hard sets you in a good course for later life?
3: Absolutely, 100%. I mean, like, pro sports are brilliant. I think mean, learning for life in general, the highs, the lows, um, the discipline you have to learn from it. You know, you're keeping yourself healthy and, yeah, you know, in good shape and which obviously helps you in later life. And like I say, there's, the, the, I think the main thing, the thing is the discipline that professional sports teach you, um, which is, is a great asset for any job, I think. So, um, no, I think I think... Anyone who's got ambitions of of being a pro cricketer or a pro sportsman definitely give it give it 100. I would I've never doesn't matter what other jobs you're thinking of doing it won't be as good as being a pro sportsman in my opinion. So definitely give it a crack and um, you'll learn so much from it anyway.
0: Okay, Jan, um, you conducted both those interviews for us. What were your impressions of Prem and Zach when you were kind of chatting to them?
1: I think um, you hear it a lot actually in those two those two little extracts because. Both of them, I think, have quite a healthy distance from the game in some ways. Like they both obviously spend their entire lives playing cricket, but they really, they do really appreciate how there is a distinction between the professional game and cricket, as the rest of us see it. You know, it it they both enjoy the game, they both love playing it, and they obviously they're both becoming very successful cricketers, but. They also have like that sense of perspective of how much effort you put into it, you know how much effort they put into it before they became professional. and you know I think from Prem's interview, you've got the impression that he sees what he's doing now as like a reward, almost like a, a easier than getting there. you know he talked about uh, in a different bit of the interview he talked about how his Dad used to work twelve hour days in the winter for the for Royal Mail to um finance his summer of cricket you know he he really did just seem to appreciate the effort that his parents had had to put in and you know there there was never any guarantee he would become a professional cricketer. They both realized how lucky they are to play cricket but also how much cricket has benefited them even if they hadn't become professional cricketers and I think that's a really nice thing to take forward because you know all of us. Who listen to this podcast have something to do with cricket you know neither of us is a professional cricketer but here we are making a podcast about cricket so you know cricket is a huge part of life even if it's not your you know full-time career yeah yeah i
0: mean the, the, the both very humble young men really i thought who clearly as you say have made a lot of sacrifices and whose families have made a lot of sacrifices for them uh, and and it's nice that they recognize that i wonder how much that has changed in professional cricketers. I know that the Professional Cricketers Association does a lot of work now with young players about planning their career and and also perhaps thinking in part about their their life after cricket. Um, and certainly, there was a sense in which they were they had a good perspective on their on on their own sort of journey and where it might take them.
1: Yeah, I think they they appreciated that. I think it got the you got the sense they appreciated that cricket might be. Yeah, or professional cricket might be fleeting. You know, I think they were both very aware that it's going. their playing days are going to make up a very small portion of their life. And they they place cricket within like the broader perspective of their lives, rather than it being the be-all and end-all. It is just something that they are doing, which they enjoy, and which they want to be good at, but it's not uh, the most important thing in either of their lives, which I think is actually pretty amazing. OK, uh, well, we'll move on. Obviously, we uh, tried to attract
0: and speak to as many club cricketers as we could with the podcast. Um, and we've got a couple of clips now. One is Tony Hallett from Pontypridd Cricket Club, who celebrated their 150th birthday this year. Uh, and Mike Rowlands of Gowerton Cricket Club, who's talking about his experiences at Lords when the club went to play in the Village Cup final, I think in 1975. So let's have a listen to those.
4: My funniest always, it is funny in, in a way, uh, we played against Barry and it was a remarkable game. Now, Barry was always a very, very strong bat inside and quite a good bowling inside. And they had a guy playing from Hugh Williams, I think his name was, but his nickname was Mad Max. Now, he was a little bit all over the place, but if he got it right, he was quick. And, it was, and one game we went down there, wanted a bat on a shirt front when the toss went in. And the Hugh Williams, clean bowl, numbers one, three, and four. So we were no runs for three wickets. And then Roy joined his brother, Richard, at the crease and put on the best part of 200. We finished well into the 200s, which was a big score in those days. But then it was our turn to, to bowl, sorry. And in those days, you only had one ball. You didn't have a new ball either in. So we often opened up with a spinner. So I opened the bowl in with uh, Roy and while fielding to Roy, I missed a catch and split my web in on my two bowling fingers, you know, my index finger and the middle finger. And I had to go off. I was bleeding like a stuck pig. I, I, I had a towel wrapped around it. I just couldn't stop the bleeding, you know. So anyway, we were, we, we were obviously losing the match. And at, at drinks, Richard, the captain, came up to me and said, will you give it a go? I said, look, you can see the blood. He said, oh, never mind. A bit of blood won't hurt you. Have a bowl. So I bowled and had six wickets, including <laughs> two one handed catches with, with with a with a bad finger, you know. Uh, then then after the game we were obviously in high spirits and we were very pleased and I probably had the odd beer too much and it was turned it was my turn to go to the hospital for stitches. <laughs> but they said, Well, we can't give you any anaesthetics because you've been drinking. So I had to I had to have a stitch, the stitches in closed in the web up and having to bite on a cloth you know rather like the old wide west well I must say that on the day I must add I didn't say to you earlier on
2: but I was batting as John was come out I was going in and there was a tremendous roar in the crowd and I thought oh what a welcome <laughs> my sister had kept her camera back to take a photograph anyway after the game she said to me I'm sorry I didn't take a photograph for you going to bat but I said, why is that? Well, didn't you hear the roar? Yes. Well, it was a streaker running behind you. So she had taken the photo of her streaker <laughs> instead. <laughs> <laughs> but that be a me it to stick. But I must confess, yes, it was one of the, the better days I've enjoyed. But the following year, to be fair, was also an excellent time for Gown Cricket Club when we actually did the, the double and winning we the Dan Radcliffe Cup. And we also won the Stewart Sonnage Cup. So 75, 76 were two exceptionally good years for us. That was really enjoyable.
0: Well, um, I had a lot, a lot of fun chatting to, to uh, Tony uh, and to Mike and some of the other players as well from Gower who with us. And uh, Roy as well, from Roy Hope from Ponterpreet. And I, I suppose what I get from listening back to those is the, the, the adventure, the excitement and the fun that comes out of playing club cricket. Uh, I've never, I've never cut the webbing on my fingers. So I don't know how, how much that would hurt, but I can imagine it hurt quite a lot. So to carry on and play a game, uh, as successfully as, as Tony did is, is something special. Um, and I've never been photographed instead of, a uh, a, a, with a streaker behind me as well. So I, I can't, I've got no insight into that experience, but it's, it, it certainly showed it. People, people at club cricket level get so much enjoyment from playing the game, don't they? So.
1: Yeah, I think also, you know, I don't know if you got this from those interviews as well, but it's always amazing. And I think it's something that we've done pretty well on the podcast, actually, is that people don't remember the cricket as much as they remember the stuff that goes on around it. You know, people don't remember so much that, you know, bowling or batting. They remember the stories that happened on the edge of the pitch. You know, they remember getting their finger cut open or they remember a streaker running behind them. And that's, I think, one of the brilliant bits about Especially club cricket is that it's it's not a it's not about the sport so much as it's about the community and the stories and the experiences you have.
0: Yeah, but that, I that, I think that's absolutely true. But th- that's not to say that there's not a seriousness that goes with it as well. You know, um, they were incredibly competitive uh, uh, players, and you hear that coming through in in all sorts of ways when you talk to club cricketers. You know, whether it's a match against the, a local derby against the club down the road or a bigger competition that they're involved in. But yeah, it's, it, as you say, it's those other things that kind of go on whilst you're playing cricket that often things that's, that stick in your mind more. Okay, we've got uh, three uh, clips now, really to try and show the breadth of people that we've spoken to during the podcast uh, and also really to perhaps illustrate and add to what you've already said, which is the importance of cricket uh, to people's individual lives as part of their community. Um, so first up, we've got Jane Cole, who is the cricket scorer with Haverford West Cricket Club. Uh, then we've got Riaz Anwar, who was uh, talked to us about uh, club cricket in the 1970s and his part in it. Uh, and then finally, we've got Chris Margits and Kian Davis, both members of the Cricket Wales Disability Team, talking about their immediate hopes uh, for the future with cricket. So let's have a listen to those.
1: So what advice would you give to anyone becoming a scorer? Um, yeah,
5: I'd like to advise anyone to start scoring because it has been the most enjoyable hobby that i have done and i can't imagine not being a part of my life um you know it is every saturday in the summer i am down in Alford west and if, if i don't have it like this year now it's been hard not having the cricket in my life but um but yeah so you know, I would, and I like teaching, so I don't mind if I I'll teach anybody. And the best thing to do is for somebody to come alongside me in the score box and learn by copying me. That's the only way to learn. And I must say, we do, we do encourage all the youngsters that are coming through with the other teams. You know, somebody that's new at scoring, we always, they always say, oh, it's all right, Jane's with you, she'll look after you. So it's nice, you know. And most of them enjoy it and they keep at it. There's not, there's all the scorers that are in Pembroke now. They've all been doing it for a few years. It so shows that they enjoy it, like, you know. And it's nice to be involved in it as part of the team. I'm more nervous um, than some of the players sometimes when we mm-hmm. play a big match. <laughs> I get really nervous.
1: Do you see uh, lots of younger players in the recent past? Do you see lots of younger players or younger members of the club wanting to score?
5: Um, no, no, I don't. Um, I think they, um, I haven't seen any interest. Maybe some of the players, children, I'm trying to get them interested, but they'd rather play with their friends in the field. like yes. you know. So it's, uh, I don't know what will happen when I have to retire from hmm. scoring, although I don't want to retire. I want to carry on as long as I can. But um, you don't know what's ahead if you do. So, but hopefully I can score for another 30 years. Hmm. One of my friends died this week, and he was scoring with me last year, and he was eighty-nine. So if I could do right. that, I'd be very, uh, I'd be
6: very happy. Well, well, they weren't necessarily um, people from around where we lived, Roth. It was anybody that came along. Uh, uh, you know, we played at Pontcana, Land of Fields. So you know, youngsters do hover along, see what's happening, um, and you know, they they came from Grangetown, Canton. You, you know basically anywhere in Cardiff it wasn't a sort of a local community team it was a sports team you know um, yeah that's all I can say is that it was a sports team and, and for me cricket is a sport and sport is available to everybody for me the community is where we live you know I mean it's, it doesn't have to be absolutely local the community is anyone that comes along and wants to be part of you part of the community community is a sort of I, I, sometimes it's local, localised, but I don't look at community as localised. I look at community as anyone that wants to be part of um, uh, a social structure, inclusivity, that kind of stuff.
3: Uh, yeah, so I've got a couple of goals for myself. Um, I'm just recovering from a, a, quite a large operation at Christmas, so I haven't been playing a lot this year. So, you know, the, the immediate goal is for me to get back playing. Um, and you know, touch wood um, that's just around the corner for me so that, that's my immediate goal um, and then looking forward to next season I really want to try and test myself uh, against the uh, the England boys and see where I actually do sit um, whether I can cope at that level and whether I'd be good enough to, to see if I can get into that, that team in that squad um, so that, that's my long term aim as long as I still play cricket Kian?
4: Uh, yeah, so
1: obviously I want to keep on. First of all, keep on improving, um, and then uh, in the future, obviously, despite the upset in Sri Lanka, I would like to have another tour with Wales, uh, and yeah, to keep enjoying enjoying my cricket with Wales, enjoying my cricket with my local side, keep trying to improve, and again, de- developing the you know the concentration side of things as well, which is which is really big for me. Um, yeah, but I can see myself playing,
4: you know, I'll, I'll be playing until I'm 100. You know, I'm never I'm never going to stop playing cricket.
1: OK, Jan, um, any thoughts on those? I think all of it just tells you the different ways that cricket impacts on people's lives, isn't it? So whatever position you're in, whether, you know, you're a scorer, these elite players, the disability side, they all see cricket as integral to their identity, I think. And I think that's the same with, You know, most people I would imagine who listen to this podcast, especially, you know, including me and I'm sure you as well. It's, you know, it's a very big part of how you identify yourself and how you identify your place in a community. And I think it shows really how important cricket is to all of us and how much it's affected us that we haven't been able to, you know, experience it as much as we would have liked this year.
0: Yeah, I I was interested in the point that Riaz was making, which is that community isn't necessarily just a geographical thing it's not about the people who live near you it's about the people who want to take part in a communal experience with you which is um, which is what playing cricket is and it shows the potential that that i think all sport obviously has it but cricket can have it too of of breaking down some barriers uh and encouraging kind of you know people to to, to go beyond the, the, the you know to give a new kind of image of people if you like so whether that's Uh, black and Asian cricketers whether it's women cricketers uh, whether it's women involved in the administration of clubs um, whether it's people with a disability playing cricket you know there's an incredible uh, opportunity for education for for all of us that uh, that takes place under cricket's umbrella and so yeah I I think we've we've perhaps become more acutely aware of some of that this year but hopefully those things will continue to develop and hopefully there'll be things that we can try to cover in the uh, the podcast as well.
1: I think you're completely right because um you know you meet someone and if the topic of cricket happens to come up between you and you're both involved that's you know that is something that people really do identify with and people are very happy to share about you know people love talking about cricket who are involved in cricket and it means that you meet a stranger who's a cricket fan or a cricket player and you've got a you know a relationship there immediately.
0: Yeah absolutely a common language even if it's just sort of in the names of uh, international cricketers that you've known from the past and and that was one of the uh the, the really nice things I thought I enjoyed with my interviews was hearing people's favorite players uh or favorite innings that they'd seen or or, or the the best match that they'd ever seen and uh um that certainly kind of it is uh, it brings people together if you like that kind of common experience that common history okay the next little bit we've got is our um podcast bloopers section so um <laughs> Uh, perhaps the best thing to do is to just to say that uh, we were all quite new to the podcast and inevitably there were kind of um, difficulties and issues along the way. How did you find it all, uh, Jan, kind of uh, uh, getting involved in the podcast and doing the interview?
1: I mean, uh, I think Zoom's great in it, really. Like you think about how this, you know, this has been impossible, you know, even what, 10 years ago, I would think. So, you know, being able to do this podcast in the environment we've, had to you know live with it's been amazing. And I, I don't know how have you found it. Um yeah, absolutely. I like you say I, I don't I don't think we would have conceived
0: of doing something like this um you know even less time ago uh and circumstances of obviously forced it upon us. But I, I think it'll probably stay with us. You know um I'll certainly where where I've got kind of uh, opportunities to, to chat to people, whether that's with podcast work or other work that I'm doing, Zoom's been absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I, I suppose we have to say there are other uh, providers that are available, just to kind of uh, be clear on the advertising front.
1: But, well, I don't know, you got a sponsorship.
0: Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> zoom, 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 yes, is great. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll have a listen to the things that went a little bit awry, shall we say, um, when we were doing our uh, our our, uh, our podcast this year. So when we first started recording the podcasts, we very quickly learned that we could use uh, the technology provided by Zoom to record our interviews. Unfortunately, uh, that meant that we had some surprise guests. Great. Uh, well, that was uh, Jan Gray interviewing uh, Prem Sadia, who's uh, uh, the first ever Welsh-born Asian player with Glamorgan. Um, I've got Jan with me now, as well as Alan. Sorry, sorry, sorry Steve. The dog's barking in the background. Okay, That's well Hang on, sorry. <laughs> Bear with me a sec. Does he want to get involved, or...? I think he probably does, yeah. I closed the door, so I think he's not very really happy with me for that. All right, okay. Bear with me a sec. I the productions.
1: <laughs> it was brilliant timing. It kind of started
4: just as I awesome. started. Yeah, perfect, wasn't it? He knew, he knew you'd started. You know, the, the problem with the bowlers was that, with the technology of the day, with the TVs of the day, you couldn't really see the ball. And, you know, on. Wait a second. All right. Sorry, Steve. Do you want don't to worry. When we, again?
0: we had a problem with the dog last night when we were recording, so it's... Uh, uh, yeah. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Goes with the territory, right, I'll, don't
4: I'll, worry. I'll run that, I'll, I'll, run that, I'll, I'll start that one again. To look like...
0: Richard, bear with me. I've just had a ring at the doorbell. Let me yep. go and see who it is, and we'll, we'll, we'll carry on where we left off. All right, two seconds. No problem. We're very lucky here on the podcast to have an experienced journalist Alan Rees Chivers working with us, uh, but sometime Alan's perfectionism just got a little bit too much. Okay, we are recording now.
7: Bye for now. Goodbye. Okay. How was that?
0: Yeah, that sounds fine to me. You happy with it?
7: Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you want to have one quick, one sort of
2: backup run right through as well? Shumai Kroisar,
7: welcome to the CC Four. Oh. Sorry, I always
2: stumble on that one. Today we're heading off to pont a where the cricket club has reached its 150th birthday. You'll hear the voices of... Rape, uh, uh, sorry, I'll go from the go from the top again now. yes, okay. Before then... Uh, uh, sorry, go from the top of that. Along the way, we've... Uh, sorry, I'm tripping over this badly. Sorry, I, I'm not happy with that. Can we, okay. can we go again? Okay, let's give that a go. Okay, then. If there's is any issue, let me know. Anyway, we can always do a quick re record, can't we?
0: Jan Gray is the youngest member of the podcast team, but unfortunately, he thought it was sometimes appropriate to use inappropriate language when asking a question.
1: So, Zach, famously in the Kent Academy, Simon Willis used to bowl bounces off 15 yards and then call you shit. Um, did this help you face Kagisa Robardo and y- Enric Nokia and Nassim Shah? <laughs>
3: very good um to be honest with you it did actually um and i'm really i not i was gonna i was gonna say i enjoyed those sessions but that would be a lie um but i'd encourage all academies to do that those sorts of sessions maybe not the the sledging part <laughs>
0: <laughs> and just to prove that i can laugh at myself here's me with one of the worst cases of mistaken identity in the history of any cricket podcast uh, the club but, uh, did go to Lords, two thousand and two.
4: No, 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 no. It was the Lords, Lords, uh, the company Lords uh, in Caerphilly. Ah!
0: Okay, so I hope uh, you all enjoyed those little uh, bloopers that we put on for you. Um, don't forget that the most important thing for us is making a connection with club cricketers throughout Wales. Uh, you can get in contact with us in several ways. Uh, on Twitter at Welsh Cricket Pod, uh, on Facebook at CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket, and you can email us at mwcpod1921 at gmail.com. So it's been the end of a really tough year for, for everybody, uh, and we're still not in a clear position about what's going to happen next year, but obviously we've, we've, we're all hoping things will be better. Um where, where do you sit, Jan, kind of at the end of the year with your kind of personal cricketing journey? What what, what are your hopes for next year?
1: I think just getting back to some sort of normality, well, you know, whatever that means. But, you know, for a lot of people, I'm sure, who listen to this podcast, normality involves cricket and the cricket community, you know, going down to your local club, you know, having a couple of drinks, watching the game, playing the game, whatever it might be. And I think that's something I've really missed from this year, especially in the summer, was just the, the sense of community that you can feel and, you know, seeing your, you know, the people you wouldn't normally see outside cricket and being in groups and that sort of thing. is just a really important part of the summer. And I think if we can get something like that back for 2021, that would be a really important bit for, I think, a lot of people. But, you know, for, for me, definitely. How about you? Um,
0: Yes, well, I've had a big change this year because I've moved. Um, I've lived in Birmingham for the last 25 years, but now I'm back living in Swansea. So uh, going to see some cricket uh, at St Helens, which is one of the the big grounds in South Wales, uh, would be absolutely fantastic. Um, So I've got to get my uh, Glamorgan membership sorted out and um, possibly pop along to see some of the local club cricket as well. Um, I live very near to where uh, Mumbles Cricket Club play um so um that would be great for me to to pop along and watch there but yeah it it it's been a really kind of difficult experience i think and so as you say sport will be one of those things that will will judge whether normality is returning or not you know when sport takes place with spectators um with uh, all the competitions that we're perhaps looking forward to seeing uh, with the club experience of just as you say, wandering along to your local club and spending time there with friends and uh, and uh, uh, co-players and, and all of that, so um, yeah, we've got to be hopeful that something like that will come come back. Really, we were we were lucky enough to uh, to interview uh, three politicians this year: the current First Minister Mark Drakeford, uh, his predecessor Carolyn Jones, and the uh, the current uh, Health Minister Vaughan Gething. Um, and we asked them at the end of that that program what their, their hopes and expectations were. So we're going to finish the podcast with those. And any final messages from you or anything that you'd like to say uh, sort of ending 2020?
1: No, it's been really nice. And just, you know, if Zoom do fancy uh, sponsoring us, we'll be well up for that. So that's that'll be my last message.
0: Indeed. I'm going to get working on a particular jingle of whatever we can use so we can interject that through every podcast. Anyway, it's been nice chatting, Jan, and um, well, we'll see you all in the, in the new year, I guess. Yes, happy new year. Yeah, and happy new year to everyone as well.
7: Bye for now. Well, I think it's just that we've, we've got all to hope that, you know, 2021 is a kinder year to us than and 2020. And that when the time comes when, when we can start to do those things all over again, that people will rediscover why they love the game and why they spent the hours with it that they do. and. But we, you know, when we look back, we'll think of this year as a genuine aberration and not as a year that set us off down a, a path that we wouldn't want to
4: see you know, sustained. Things will improve, but it's always been the case that any sport, including cricket, has relied on an army of volunteers and people do it for the love of the game. People don't do it for recognition, but they do it because they want to be able to see some cricket played. They want to give to give young people a chance to, to play sport. They want to make sure there are facilities in their community that enable sport to be played. And you know things are tough at the moment, particularly financially. Uh, things will improve. No one knows when, but it won't always be this way. And it's massively important that when, as things start to return to something closer to normality, although a long way from normality, that those facilities are there for those clubs in the future.
7: Well, the prospects in the future for cricket in Wales in the immediate period of time are... But all of us trying to stick to the rules to make sure that we can have cricket carrying on as far as possible for the next few weeks before we get to the end of September. I think most sort of friendlies and things are going to come to an end then. Uh, and in the future, um, we will get through uh, the coronavirus pandemic. And I hope that people still look at the way that the international game is being broadcast and shown and to realise that that only exists because there are people like us who love the game at a local level. Um, people who want to turn up in the fourth and fifth team and play with their teenage sons and daughters, Um, people who want to turn up and watch the game, make the tees, turn up to nets and go out and play the game. And the whole thing doesn't exist without that in a way that, um, you know, I think for the joy that I know cricket gives to so many people who play it, I definitely want to see cricket have a really healthy future. And at some point you might see me, you know, turning over right arm military medium again um, in the next couple of years. But I hope that everyone continues to take part in what I think is a fantastic game and brings so much not just on the hood, but as I say for me, all the social contacts and friendships I've had from you. And we can eventually get back to something more like normal. <coughs>